We're going to get started this morning, and I'm going to preach to you on the theme, All Dressed Up. But I decided since um, we're going to do that, that uh, I would start with a little humor, all right? Now, I know that at the holidays, there's a lot of people out there that are single, and maybe you're looking for that special someone, okay? And when you get to the holidays, you get a little bit sad because you're like, oh, man, I'm going into the holidays, and I don't have that special someone. So I'm going to help you out today, and I'm going to give you a Christian pickup line, okay? How many are good? <laughs> so if you brought your Bible, let me see your Bible. Everybody grab your Bible, okay? Right? I know some of you got the screen, but okay, grab your Bible, open it up. I'm going to help you. I'm going to teach you how if you're single. Now, let me just say, if you're going to find someone... You need to do it in church, not in the club. How many know what I'm talking about? Come on. So this is not going to work in the club, all right? This is only going to work at church. So here's what you do. You cozy up next to that person. Make sure it's the person you want to give the pickup line to, okay? Cozy up next to them. Open your Bible. Look at them with those dashing eyes. Say, hey, how's it going? And then after you say, hey, how's it going? Say, you know, I opened my Bible and I was reading in the book of Numbers. See, my Bible's not complete because when I was reading in the book of Numbers, I noticed yours isn't in there. Just helping you singles out. Come on now. Church is for everybody, right? Come on. Amen. Just helping you out. Amen. Who knows? Maybe God's going to put some people together today. I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to read 1 John chapter 2. Those of you who are at home, I want to invite you, if you will, you can stand as well. Just we're going to honor God's word today. I want you to read this. I talked to you last week about the fact that we're going to talk about the anointing. Anybody enjoy the well last weekend? Wasn't that not awesome? We had record attendance all weekend. Had, did you know last weekend we had over 200 people make decisions or rededicate their life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Isn't that awesome? I want to follow up on this theme, the anointing, all dressed up. I want you to read this passage with me. Everyone, will you read together with me out loud? But you have an anointing. Let's try that again, and everybody join me. Let's read it together. But you have from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. Let's jump to 20, verse 27. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. Close your eyes. Holy Spirit, come. Let your anointing teach us truth. And let your truth liberate us. We acknowledge you, Lord, I decrease that you might increase. Speak boldly in this place and in homes around the world. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, David. I want to talk to you about the anointing, about being all dressed up. And you may not have ever read this passage in John chapter 2. But first John chapter 2, the context of this passage where the apostle is saying, you're anointed. The anointing of God is in you. The context of this passage is where they're discussing the idea that there are false teachers who are trying to bring ideas that are leading God's people astray. There are antichrists, not just the antichrist that will come one day, but all throughout history there are antichrists that have come among us to try to get us to deny or not follow Christ. And so the apostle is saying, listen, the anointing is in you and it's there to teach you so that you'll know the truth. And when people are trying to get you to believe something you shouldn't, you're going to know the truth because that anointing is going to help you understand that. 
It also sits in the context of where it's talking about how that we are so easy to fall in love with the world and things of the world. And how that if we love the world, then the love of the Father is not in us. It's talking about kind of what we've been talking about, repentance. Are we drawing closer to God or are we drawing closer to the world? Does God have more of us? Does he hold more of our life? Or does the things of the world hold more of our heart and our life? Talks about loving others and how that in context with this anointing that if we're to be truly people who are anointed that we need to love one another and that the love of God is in us. So begin to think about the anointing. It's a kind of a, a concept that a lot of people don't totally understand. What is the anointing? And so what I want to do today is I want to give you a quick definition of the anointing. And I want to go to the book of Luke. And if you have a Bible or a phone, go with me to Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And I want to read to you what Jesus said. Jesus had received the Holy Spirit when he was baptized. The Holy Spirit descended as a dove upon him. He went into the wilderness to be tested and tempted. He came out of the wilderness filled with the glory and the the power of God. And as he um, came back from the wilderness, the first thing he did is he went into the synagogue and he opened up this scripture and he read it. Here's what he said. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has what? He is what? He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This word here, anointed, is a a Greek word, and it, it means this. It means to smear or to rub with oil. It also means that through the act of rubbing or smearing with oil, what it is doing, it is consecrating to an office of religious service. Or it's appointing or it's setting aside something for the purpose of accomplishing something spiritually. Now, if you look in the Old Testament, we see this concept of anointing played out where people would take oil and they would rub it on people or they they would put it on their head or they would pour it over their head. We see the office of prophet. Many of the prophets were anointed with oil. And once they were anointed, they then were able to step into their calling to speak God's word on behalf of God to the people. It was to dedicate them. It was to consecrate them. It was to set them aside for service, okay? We see that with the priests. In fact, we're going to talk about that today. We're going to draw some parallels. In fact, what I'm going to share with you, you know, when I, when I share the word, I want you to know that a lot of times I spend hours and hours studying Sometimes as I'm studying, I'll I'll come across messages by other pastors that really speak to my heart, and I'll take that information, and I'll kind of weave my thoughts into it. I'll read, many times I'll read 10, 20, 30, 40 messages on a certain topic by different pastors. I'll research with commentaries of what uh, theologians and people that have doctorates in certain areas, I'll read what they have to say about a passage. I'll just meditate on a passage, and I'll ask the Holy Spirit to reveal things. I'll dive into the Greek, and I'll dive into the Hebrew. This weekend, I'm going to share with you some thoughts that was, that was ministered at a conference I was at, and it really spoke to me, and I'm going to use the same points they used, all right? I heard uh, Rick Warren said this. He said, if you take one person's sermon, it's called plagiarism. If you look at three people's sermons, it's called research. Okay. <laughs> Come on, somebody say amen. So I want you to know that many times what I'm bringing to you, sometimes it's all fresh. I haven't got it from anyone else but the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's a combination of God bringing pieces together to help bring the truth. The point is that you and I need to learn the truth. And whatever technique we can bring to help bring the truth into our life, that's what we do. You all with me? So that's, that's, let me just throw out there, this is what every pastor does, all right? So I want you to know that. Okay. So what I'm going to share with you today has a lot of elements from another passage or another sermon that I heard. It really ministered to my heart. What I'm laying, though, is a foundation. Not only were prophets anointed, not only were priests anointed, because we're going to take a look at the priests. The priests were anointed for service to God. But number three, uh, we see that kings were anointed. Remember when David was anointed? Samuel poured the oil over him, and he was anointed to be king. We see in the New Testament examples of anointing where the sick would come and we would take anointing oil and we would would put it on them or smear it, anoint them with oil for the sake of prayer for healing. 
We also see that not only could people be anointed, but things could be anointed. In the Old Testament, all of the articles that were used for service unto God, the laver and the, the, all of those things were anointed for service to God. You all with me? The word anointing in the book of John that we read a moment ago is a different word than this smearing. It's a word which, it's the word charisma. And it's an ointment or a smearing, but here's the idea. It's the endowment, it's the touch of the supernatural to endow us with power through the work of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit basically comes, and let me give you a definition of the anointing. You ready? I'm going to give you, this is my definition of what the anointing is. Because here's the thing, you may not realize it, but you're anointed. Say this, say, I'm anointed. We just read, he was speaking to Christians in John. You're anointed. It's in you. It remains there. So here's the definition that I want to give you for the anointing. Here's what the anointing is. It is the power and authority to fulfill your purpose. Y'all with me? Now, the word anointing there in John can be interchanged with the word spirit. And every time we see in the Old Testament, often the anointing process, we would see the Spirit would come upon them. In the Old Testament, the Spirit would come upon. But in the New Testament, the Spirit comes within. Y'all with me? Because when you receive Christ, everyone receives the Holy Spirit. So in the Old Testament, the Spirit would come upon. In the New Testament, the Spirit has come within. Here's the point. Whether it came upon or it's come within, you've got it. And here's why you've got it. To give you the power and to give you the authority to fulfill your purpose. Somebody say amen. That's a good word. I didn't get that from anybody else. That was the Holy Spirit. All right? Just throwing that out. What's really cool about that is that... that Anointing? Do you realize that it doesn't just affect you praying for someone? It affects you parenting your child. It affects you making your business decision. It affects you having that conversation with that person on the job. Do you realize that when David was anointed, watch what happens. He was, if you read in 1 Samuel, I don't have time to read it right now, but 1 Samuel 16, verse 12 and 13 tells us that Samuel anointed David. When he anointed David, here's what the Bible says, the Spirit came upon him. And you know what that means in the Hebrew? That means that the Spirit came upon him in such a way that it caused him to break out and prosper. Ooh, that's good. So here's what you do. You watch the life of David. Because here's the thing. Some of us, we have the anointing, the Holy Spirit. The anointing and the Holy Spirit can almost be intermixed. We have the work of the Holy Spirit in us, and we're waiting for some supernatural thing or we're waiting for some big spiritual event to release the Holy Spirit or to walk in the anointing. When David, you know what he did? He got anointed, and you know what he did? He started playing the guitar. And God anointed his guitar playing. And he anointed it so much that he brought him to the king, and he would play before the king to relieve demonic spirits that were oppressing the king. David then went to a, took some food, took lunch to his brothers, and he ends up standing in front of a giant to fight. And all he knows how to do is throw rocks. But the anointing is the power and authority to fulfill your purpose wherever it is in life. So guess what? He throws a rock with supernatural power and defeats a giant. The anointing affects every part of our life. The work of the Holy Spirit affects every part of our life. Y'all with me? Say amen. Not only that, but did you know that he was anointed to play hide-and-seek? Because Saul came after him, and the Lord would lead him, the Spirit, the anointing, would lead him to the right places so that he could hide from Saul. Why am I sharing this with you? Because you need to understand the definition of the anointing, because here's the deal. You've got it. And the anointing is the power and the authority to fulfill your purpose. Somebody say amen. I'm preaching today. Preach it. Hallelujah. Amen. You go. I, I, I was going to come this morning in a tuxedo to do an illustration. I decided not to. How strange would it be if I invited you over to my house to watch a football game and you came up to my front door and I was wearing a tuxedo? 
He'd be like, dude, you're all dressed up. Well, we're getting to the reason for the name of the message here. You all with me? You have been very patient. Let me get to this. What would you say to me? You'd say, dude, you're all dressed up. Where are you going? And wouldn't it be strange if I said, well, I'm not going anywhere. So in other words, you're telling me that you're all dressed up with nowhere to go. How many have ever heard that phrase? You know what I do today? I'm going to show you how you and I can get dressed up to influence the flow of the anointing in our life. Now here's the point I want to make. There are tons of believers who have the anointing and they're all dressed up with nowhere to go. You're wearing the tuxedo, but you're not using it. So today what we're going to do is we're going to learn about the anointing and we're going to get all dressed up, but we're going to learn that we have somewhere to go. Somebody say amen. All right? Now, if we look in the Bible, in the Old Testament, we're going to take some passages in the Old Testament and draw some parallels to this idea of anointing. Because in the Old Testament, in Exodus chapter 28, why don't you go there and follow along. In 29, in Exodus 29, it tells us that God said, I want my priests who were getting anointed. And remember, they were smeared with an oil. Anointed, set aside for a purpose to fulfill what God had called them to do. And in the process of that, God says, I want them to dress up with these clothes. Because if they'll get dressed with these clothes, and then that is connected to the anointing, they're going to be able to fulfill what I have for them. What that tells us is this. This is a big, important point. You ready? This is important. That tells us that you and I have a role in how much of the anointing we carry in our life. We have a role in how much of the anointing we carry in our life. Everybody has some. But you know what? It's time for us to release the greatest measure of God's favor and authority in our life. How many would say amen to that? So how many are ready to get all dressed up? Do you want to have a little of the anointing or do you want to have a lot? You want to have a little or you want to have a lot? Right, man, you guys are, I could tell John Bevere was here last weekend. He was really helping, getting you guys all talking and responding. All right, you ready? I'm going to go through five things real fast. I got to go quick. So grab your notes. You ready? We're going to hit it. We're going to talk about the priests and what they put on to position them to release the anointing. You ready? Number one, the first thing you and I have to do if we want to increase the flow of the anointing, if we're going to get dressed up, with somewhere to go, first thing is we have to, number one, put on a crown of holiness over our mind. Put a crown of holiness over your mind. You know what's interesting? Back in the day, how many know headbands were the thing? Come on, I have a picture of my son wearing a headband. I decided to have them bring it. In fact, I didn't get the right picture, but that's my son Tanner, and he's wearing a headband. In fact, you can, bring it, you can take it down. Uh, when they went to camp, him and his friends, they decided they were going to start a new trend. And so they all wore bright colored shorts, bright colored fanny packs, long socks, and headbands. All right? I remember back in the day when headbands were the thing. Well, you know what's interesting is this passage shows us that God invented the headband. Watch, let's go. You ready? Exodus chapter 28, verse 36 says, God says, now remember, this is back a long time ago. He's getting them ready to receive and, and walk in a great authority of the anointing. And look what he says. He says, make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it as on a seal, holy to the Lord. Fasten a blue cord to it to attach it to the turban. It is to be on the front of the turban and it will be on Aaron's forehead. God invented the headband. In other words, what God is saying to the priest is, listen, if you're going to walk in a great anointing, the first thing that you need to do to release that anointing is you got to get dressed up. So the first thing you got to wear is you need to put on a headband, and across the front of that headband, it's going to say, holy to the Lord. The word holy is a phrase which means to be set apart. To be sanctified. 
It's interesting where God started because he started with the, the mind. You know, there's an ear gate to the mind. It's called the ear. And there's an eye gate to the mind. It's called the eye. And what the scripture, if you look at, in fact, if you look in John, 1 John 2.15, one of the passages leading up to us talking about the anointing dwelling inside of us, it says, do not love this world nor the things it offers, for when you love the world, you do not love, have the love of the Father in you. In other words, the more of the world and love of the world you have, the less of the love of the Father you have. So therefore, the idea is, is the more you love the world, the less you have the anointing. And so the question is, have you made a decision? If you're going to walk in a greater anointing in your life, have you made a decision to say, I am going to put holiness across my mind. I am going to create a, something to protect. I am going to set a seal over my mind as to what I'm willing to see or not see, what I'm willing to. In fact, let me say it this way. Have you made a decision of what you will entertain? Because if you're going to walk in a greater anointing, you have to decide what you will entertain. You know, there's a lot of pastors now and people that are like, well, you know, I need to have social media and I need to be relevant. I need to be, know what's going on in the world so that I could be more effective. And listen, I agree with that. I have nothing, you know, I, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have social media. I'm not saying that you shouldn't know current events. But let me just say, there's a lot of things in this world we don't really need to know. There's a lot of things in this world we really don't need to see. You all with me? You know, it's interesting as I'm holding my phone. Today I'm preaching from my phone. Is that not cool? I have the 6 plus, and so it's big enough for me to see. That's right. What's interesting is this phone has a place where you can put a code on it that will filter what comes into it. So one of the things that we started doing a while ago is my son and I, decided that we were going to filter each other's phone because we wanted to make sure that we were not allowing things into our life through the internet, through social media, through Twitter, through all these things that might hinder or corrupt either a virus on the phone or something that would be a virus in the heart and in the mind. So I gave my phone to Tanner and Tanner gave his phone to me and we created a code, and I don't know what the code that he put in my phone is, and he doesn't know the, phone, the code that I put in his phone is, so that our phones have a filter. You see, as we talk about the anointing, here's the question. Have you created a filter for your mind? Because what God says is that if we're going to walk in the anointing, here's what we have to do. We have to make an active decision as to how much of the world we're going to entertain. Sometimes you can get things into your phone that you can't get off without a hard reset. Y'all with me? Sometimes we can be corrupted by viruses that have worked their way in. And one of the things that's amazing about this passage is that as the priests began to get ready to walk in the anointing, the very first thing God says is he says, do you have a filter? Because you see, you and I, we have a role in how much of the anointing we carry. Could it be that there's less of the anointing to give you power and authority to fulfill your purpose because you've filled up your life with a lot of other things that are, that are filled with viruses and other things that are pulling you down, that are causing you to love the world? Listen, there are things in the world that are fun, that are great. I love football. We, you know, we love vehicles that we can travel around. There's nothing wrong with that. But if those things have clouded up our life and clouded up our storage where there's not much room for God, then what God's saying is, is this. Listen, it's time for you to do a reset. It's time for you to do a reboot. It's time for you to put a filter on your mind so that you make sure that you're careful of what's coming into the eye and what's coming into the ear. Why? Because I've anointed you and that anointing will give you the power and the authority to fulfill your purpose. And maybe you're struggling with your purpose because you quit wearing your headband. Y'all with me? Say Amen you got to put a crown of holiness over your mind. You all with me? Say amen. Here's the second thing. You ready? You need a breastplate of relationship over your heart. 
a breastplate of relationship over your heart. Let's look at Exodus chapter 28, verse 29. Here's another article of clothing that the priests were to put on in this anointing process. Whenever, verse 29, whenever Aaron enters the holy place, he will bear the names of the sons of Israel over his heart on the breastpiece of decision. Underline that, breastpiece of decision. On the breastpiece of decision as a continuing memorial before the Lord. Also put the Urim and Thummim in the breastpiece so that they may be over Aaron's heart whenever he enters the presence of the Lord. Here's what's interesting about this passage. This passage says that you're never to forget. This needs to be over your heart. You're never to forget. You see, what they were wearing was a breastpiece, and on this breastpiece were 12 stones. And every stone represented one of the tribes of Israel. So when he walked in the anointing over his heart, represented that he was not an island, but he was a part of a bigger family. And behind the breastpiece was a pouch called the Urim and Thummim. It was a pouch that they had a stone, two different stones. On one stone is the, the, the word yes, and on another stone, the word no. This is what commentators believe the Urim and Thummim were. And they were in the pouch, and what would happen is the priest would go before the Lord to seek God's will. So if David, for instance, was at Ziklag, he was like, should I go after them and pursue them to get back what's mine? And they would take the Urim and Thummim, and they would reach into it in the presence of the Lord. And when they would pull it out, the yes or no would give them God's answer. I know it sounds simplistic, I know it sounds archaic, but that's the beginning of what we see, how God helped the people of Israel discern his will. In the presence of the Lord, they made a decision. Here's what's interesting about all of this. It's combined with the decision was two things. Number one, a knowledge that your anointing doesn't come from you, but it comes from the people who are before you. Second thing is it tells us that your decision-making isn't isolated, but that your decision-making should be made in connection with others in your life. In other words, part of our anointing comes from standing on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. Can I tell you that one of the reasons why God is blessing higher vision, and one of the reasons why God has blessed my life, is not because of me, but because my grandfather dedicated his life in prayer, seeking God and praying over his family and his heritage. And not only that, my father has prayed every day of his life you know, my dad prays over me every day. He says, God, I pray that, and he does it with his, all his sons. He said, I pray that Jared would be humble in his successes and he'll be strong in adversity. In fact, he has a list of prayers that he prays every day over me. I'm telling you that the anointing that I'm walking in isn't just from me. It's I'm standing on the shoulders of those who have gone before. Maybe you're here because a grandma prayed. Maybe you're here because someone reached out. Maybe... You see, what's interesting is that we have a heritage. And the thing that we need to understand is that when we make decisions, you'll never make the best decisions without the right relationships in your life. Somebody say amen. I'm going to say that again. You'll never make the right decisions. You'll never make the best decisions without the right relationships in your life. I want to stop and say something. I believe that it's important. That's why the Bible says that we're part of the family, the body of God. And that every part is needed, the joints and the tendons and the bones, the eye, the hand. In fact, the Bible says that the hand can't say to the eye, I don't need you. You are part of the breast piece. You have a place in God's family. And one of the things that will release God's greatest flow of his divine anointing is when you fit into your piece of the puzzle of the family of God. That's why people that aren't connected in a part of a local church, it grieves my heart for them because they're not walking in the greatest measure of the anointing. That's why personally I struggle sometimes when people have a mentor. Listen, God hasn't called you to have a mentor. He's called you to have mentors. What does the scripture say? It says that, that, that the key to success, there's wisdom in the multitude of what? Counsel. Because one person can't give you everything you need. Because one person might not have the anointing with family like somebody else will. Some people just have certain anointings in their life. How many know what I'm talking about? 
And one person might have an anointing in, in praying for the sick. And another one might have anointing in business. And someone, we need people in our life. We need the family of God. We need to be connected. And what we need to understand is that our greatest release of the anointing and the flow of the Spirit through us is when we put a breastplate on our heart that says, I'm going to be in the family. I'm going to be connected. I'm going to realize not only that I need to make decisions and have people help me and, and you know, encourage me along that way, but I also need to know that when I make a decision, it doesn't just affect me. It affects everybody around me. Come on, somebody say amen. I just bring this up because years ago there was a thing called the shepherding movement. And in the shepherding movement, you had people that were going to leaders and they looked to that leader and they couldn't decide who they're going to date without that person. They couldn't decide if they're going to take a job without that person. They couldn't decide. Let me tell you something. The Bible says that wisdom, we're a part of a family. And God said, if you're going to walk in an anointing, here's what you need to know. You need to realize that you are connected to a family. Twelve tribes, they all have something to bring to the table. Don't stand in your own. Don't stand in your own wisdom. Don't stand in your own anointing. Realize that you are connected. Here's the other thing that's interesting about this passage. Why do we need a breastplate of relationship? Because sometimes we have the wrong name written across our heart. And it's through relationship that that name gets changed. There was a guy who had a name written across his heart. It was Deceiver. His name was Jacob. And it was through relationship with the Lord and relationship over time that God said, no, 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 I'm going to change this. No longer on your heart is going to be written Deceiver. Now it's Israel, Prince of God. Maybe you're here, and because of some of your past relationships, what's written over your heart is bitterness because you grew up in a family that's bitter. Or maybe you grew up in a family that told you you'll never amount to anything. So what's written on your heart is loser. And I want to tell you that the way the anointing is released in your life is when you embrace who God has designed you to be. That, that on, your, on your heart doesn't have to be written loser, but on your heart can be written more than a conqueror. On your heart can be written, you can do all things. On your heart can be written, child of God, heir of God. You see, God says, I want you to put on a headband of holiness. Start paying attention to what you allow in your life. Create a filter so that you can make more room for the anointing to flow in you. Number two, put a breastplate of righteousness, a breastplate of relationship over your heart. To realize you're apart, you're connected. How many are ready for number three? Say amen. amen. Number three, this one to catch you off guard. I got to keep moving. The underwear of rest in your soul. The undergarment of rest in your soul. Everybody say underwear. I know you're thinking it because I said it in church. Underwear. Let's take a look. Go with me, if you will, to Exodus chapter 28, verse 39. Anybody learn anything? Say amen. Verse 39, it says, when you get dressed, not only the headband, not only the breast piece, but here's another thing. Weave the tunic of fine linen. Let me give you a little bit clearer definition of this tunic. We can find it in Ezekiel 44. Ezekiel 44, verse 18, when they would go before the Lord to serve him, they were anointed to fulfill their purpose. They were wearing... These underclothes, look what it says. They were to wear linen turbans on their heads and linen undergarments around their waists. They must not wear anything that makes them perspire. In other words, these were anti-sweat underwear. That's pretty cool, huh? Linen is a fabric. Now, I'm not an expert in fabrics. But linen is a fabric that is loosely woven together so that it creates air. So when you wear it, you're less likely to sweat when you're working. You all get it? Although it's not very comfortable or soft. Tell me what I'm talking about. To me, it reminds me of burlap. I don't know why, but... Can I tell you that what I believe that this passage is trying to teach us is simply this, is that the anointing and hurry don't go together. 
that the anointing and overwork doesn't go together. That the anointing and struggling and trying and trying and trying in your strength doesn't work. You see, God wants us to build into our life seasons of rest. In fact, do you, do you know that probably the command of the Ten Commandments that God gave, that people in the church break more than any other command, is not what we often think of when we think of the commands. We think of lying. We think of murder. We think of adultery, right? We think of all these things. You know what the command that we all break the most of is? Have a Sabbath. Take some time to rest. God modeled that for us. What did he do? He created the world, and after he created the world in six days, he took a Sabbath. Let me tell you something. God didn't take a Sabbath because he was tired. God took a Sabbath because he was done. God doesn't get tired. But we do. So I think God took a Sabbath because he was trying to teach us that if you're going to have your greatest ability to fulfill your purpose... You have to learn how to rest your soul. Can I tell you, we've been going deeper. We've been talking about the things of the Spirit. It's been great. But guess what? Now we're going into the holidays. And you know one of the things you need to focus on? Not only the Holy Spirit, not only the work of God in your life, but spending time with your friends and family. Stopping and breathing. There are so many of us that are perspiring. We're sweating while we're in there trying to do what we're called to do. We're sweating when we're trying to take care of our kids. We're sweating when we're in there trying to finish our job and get to our quota and make the sale. And we're sweating. And maybe what we need to do is quit trying to do it in our own strength and make a little bit more room, change our underwear, and put on something that allows us to lean into God, to rest a little bit, to take a little time off so that in that process, God can do what only he can do because here's what he's done. He's put an anointing in you to give you the power and the authority to fulfill your purpose. Come on, somebody say amen. And here's the deal. You'll never do it until you change your underwear. Come on, somebody say amen. It's good stuff. I mean, ready for number four. Number four, I'm going to wrap this up, put a bow on it. Two more. The fourth thing we have to get dressed up in to walk and release that anointing is we need to put on the garment of praise in our spirit. This is beautiful. Exodus chapter 28, verse 33. Make pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn around the hem of the robe with gold bells between them. The gold bells and the pomegranates are to alternate around the hem of the robe. Aaron must wear it when he ministers. The sound of the bells will be heard. Everybody say, will be heard. When he enters the holy place before the Lord and when he comes out so that he will not die. The sound of joy and praise will be heard or he will die. Isn't it interesting? Aren't you glad that God doesn't have that anymore? that unless you really praise the Lord and your sound of joy and worship is heard, you will die. How many know praise services would change really fast? (laughs) Just throwing that out there. Thank you, God, for grace. Josephus tells us that there were 70 bells around the robe, on the hem of the robes of the priests. Everywhere they went, they were jingling all the way. In other words, the joy and the worship was heard. When was the last time you brought bells, you brought joy to the room? When was the last time you brought a spirit of praise and thankfulness into your setting? In fact, you know what's interesting? You might say, Pastor, you're kind of really making a leap. This idea of joy and this idea of praise is is connected to the anointing. Well, let's go back to the passage Jesus quoted. Because here's what Jesus quoted in Isaiah 61. He stood up and he said, I've been anointed. And I've been anointed to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal those that are sick, to set the people in prison free, and to bring an oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for heaviness. 
Can I tell you that God wants you to be the person who, as the anointing is operating in your life, as you are putting on, I've never went into my closet and had my clothes jump on my body. If I did, we are going to anoint my closet. I got to put my clothes on. That's one thing that many people don't realize when it comes to worship. And they don't realize when it comes to joy is that your worship doesn't just happen on its own. You put it on. When my kids want to get dressed, when they were little, they'd run up to me and throw me their shirt and go like this. And what would I do? You and I, when we come into the house of God, you know, we have the chance to jingle all the way. We have a chance to lift our hands. We have a chance to bring a spirit of joy. And I want to tell you that that joy, what does the scripture say? The joy of the Lord is our strength. Could it be that the reason a lot of people are dying spiritually is because they haven't got dressed? Could it be that a lot of people are dying in their purposes in life because they've never really put on a garment of praise and said, I'm going to have joy because joy is a choice. It's not always a response. It's a decision to say, I'm going to be thankful. Man, go into your thanks. Thanksgiving weekend. Yes, maybe you lost someone at Thanksgiving. Maybe you're in a difficult season right now, but can I tell you the joy of the Lord is your strength, and if you're going to make it through the season, you need the joy of God, so it's time to start jingling all the way. Somebody say amen. I heard a pastor say this. He said, you know, one pastor years ago, he got up and said, I want everyone to stand to their feet and start to praise God. He said, I want you to give God praise. I want you to put on the garment of praise. He says, and here, I want, you, I want you to start praising God for all the prayers he didn't answer. Start praising him for all the prayers that he didn't answer. The one where you prayed for that one person to be your spouse, and now you're looking back saying, thank God you didn't answer that prayer. Come on. Come on, somebody. Here's a way to put on the praise. I was getting ready. I don't have time to tell that story. I'm going to keep moving. Okay, I'll tell the story next service. You can come if you want to hear it. All right. Okay, how many? Give me a couple more minutes. All right, good. We got lots of time. Just this week, I was doing one of those fun things that you love to do as the husband. Pulling the tree out of the garage to set up. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Your heart just fills with joy as soon as you start thinking about it, right, man? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Just like, oh, that time of year? Awesome. So we decided to set up the tree, and we actually don't set up a tree. We set up trees. We have three trees that we set up. We have a little one that my son has in his room that he decorates, which is interesting. I should have brought a picture to show you all. Then we set up a tree for the kids that has all the ornaments that they've had over the years that they've gotten, you know, growing up, that we got them at Christmas or they made at school or whatever. And so we have one that's kind of the fun tree. And then we have the serious tree. <laughs> it has to be perfect. Tell me what I'm talking about. Can't you just feel the joy? I don't know if I'm jingling or clanging right now. So after the first day of setting up the tree, because it was a multi-day event, um, Devette looked at me and she's like, you know, you weren't very fun last night. You didn't even act like you wanted to be there. What is that teaching our children? Come on. Buck up. Have some fun. She did it in a a fun way, but she was like, you seem kind of not very excited. So on Thursday, we did this on Monday. On Thursday, I'm like, okay, I'm going to jingle. I've been working on my message, so I had had to practice what I preached. So I decided I was going to jingle all the way. I was going to bring joy. And so as soon as we started, you know what I started doing? Humming and singing. I was like, mm-hmm, 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 
And you know what was funny? Is when the night was done, I paid attention. Because when the night was done, all of my family was singing. And I didn't get in trouble. Hallelujah. Praise God. The point is, is I put on the garment. Could it be that the flow, the divine flow of God's purpose for your life could be connected to whether you put on your headband, whether you put on your chest piece, change your underwear, or put on the garment of praise? Y'all with me? Say amen. All right. We're running late now because you made me tell the story. All right. Here we go. Last, last point. You ready? The last point. The last thing that I want to point out today that helps us in releasing the anointing of, and authority of God in our life is to put on the oil of unity over our head. The oil of unity over our head. I want the worship team to come. Exodus 29 verse 7 says, Then anoint him by pouring the anointing oil over his head. You see, what would happen is they would bring this oil and they would pour it on the head. And as they put it on the head, it would drip down. How many know that when you get oil somewhere, it gets everywhere? I want to read to you a passage that kind of ties into this idea. That talks to us about the significance of the oil, of this anointing. And one of the beautiful examples of how that blessing is released with the anointing. You ready? Go with me to Psalm 133. Psalm 133 says, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in what? In unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. So wherever this unity, because this unity releases anointing, wherever there's unity, look what it says, verse 3, there the Lord bestows his blessing. In 1 John 2, it talks about us having an anointing in us. What is the anointing? It's the power and the authority to fulfill our purpose. It's when we all pull together, together, together. When we all pull together, how happy will be. You know the word happy and the word blessed in the Bible are interchanged? When we really understand the spirit of unity and we come into the alignment of unity together, here's what the Bible says. You will release an anointing where God, I love one translation says, doesn't just bestow, but he commands a blessing. Whoo, somebody say amen to that. You know, I was, I'm not going to, talk a lot about this, but we live in a world now where everyone, because of social media, feels like they have a soapbox to stand up and be the expert. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Recently, I was going through Facebook. I don't really go through Facebook very much. I know I have a lot of friends. If you friended, haven't friended me, friend me. We've got like four, over 4,000 friends. and In fact, we're having to switch my friend page to a a fan page because at 5,000 friends, they shut down your page. And so I want more friends. And so if you're my friend, sometimes I'm able to scroll, but sometimes I'm not. A lot of times I'm not able to. There's so many people to follow and that kind of thing. But I was just happened to be on Facebook and scrolling. And as I'm scrolling, I stopped because I saw a picture of a, of a pastor who recently died in an air, um, airplane crash. And I thought, oh, I wonder what they're saying. Maybe it's a memorial or maybe it's something. And here's what the, the, the thing said. It said... A day for sadness or a day for joy? And it went on to say and act, accuse this pastor of not, you know, they pulled some quote off, the, off of YouTube. And you know, let me just say, everything you read on the internet is not true. And let me just say, sometimes what you read might be true, but it's only part of the truth. Aren't you glad that someone hasn't taken a snapshot of maybe a bad day in your life and then made sure that everybody saw it? Do you think God sees the snapshot or he sees the whole picture? And it's amazing to me. It's amazing to me as they begin to talk about and, and say disparaging things about a man of God. In fact, here's what you may not know about this man of God. You know why he died? 
because he was head of plane and he was teaching overseas. He teaches on leadership around the world. He's led thousands and thousands of people to Christ. I'm sure he's not perfect. I'm sure there's things that he's done wrong. But you know what? He's talked about Jesus his whole life, his whole ministry. He's led people to the Lord. And you know what happened? He wanted to get home because there was a conference at his church that he wanted to be there with his people. And so he said, you know what, let's just, the, the weather was bad. His pilot said, you know, the weather's bad. We probably shouldn't go. And they said, you know, let's just go for it. We need to be there with our people. And so because of his love for his people, to get home to his church, he pushed the limit, went into bad weather. His plane went down. Him and his wife died and others died with them. I'm going to tell you, when you talk about others, you know what the Bible says in 1 John, connected to anointing? It says, love your brothers. You know what's sad is that there's a lot of people who aren't in unity. They're so quick to voice their opinion. They're so quick to take a snapshot of one thing and to judge people. Man, you know what the Bible says? If you judge someone, what's going to happen? You are going to be judged. When I see people doing that, it not only saddens me for the person they're doing it to, but it saddens me for them because they're setting themselves up for God's judgment. That's why in this church you don't see us talk negatively, even with people we disagree with. Because we're going to rally. You know what Jesus did when, when his disciples said, hey, they're casting out demons in your name and they're not really in the same camp with us. They haven't gone through what we've gone through. They don't know what we know. They're, they just have a little bit of knowledge here and they're casting out demons. And Jesus didn't say, oh, let's blog about them. He said, hey, relax. If they're not against us, they're for us. You see, I believe that Jesus wants to create a culture. We have it here at Higher Vision. One that we love, we encourage, we thank God for the good that he's doing in people's lives. If someone has a moment of weakness or something happens that, you know what we're going to do, we're going to love them. We're going to help them. We're going to strengthen them. We're going to speak good. The fruit of the Spirit says believe the best in others. And I'm going to tell you, that spirit, that commitment to unity, that commitment to one another, you know what it does? Oil starts to flow. Anointing starts to come. And here's the cool thing. It gets on everything. It gets on your kids. It gets on your money. I'm not joking. It gets in your business. Because the anointing gives you the power and the authority Maybe God's tweeting about us right now. He did. I just got it. Here's what it says. I got it. God tweeted. I promise. Here's what he said. But you have an anointing. It was tweeted a couple thousand years ago, but... You have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. It's time to quit being dressed up with nowhere to go. Come on, somebody say amen. Hallelujah.